that we can give honor and praise to you, Lord. We're asking you to bless this service this morning, oh God. Let your spirit be upon us. We give thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. We want Brother Miller to come. Amen. And continue to tell us about restoring our life. Amen. Praise the Lord, everyone. Good to be in the house of the Lord once again. So glad for what God is doing. Thankful for what He has done in my life. And I'm in great anticipation for what He is going to do. Is God good to you? All right, all right. He's been more than good to me, better than what I deserve. And I'm so glad that I serve the God, that I, that I have a chance to know the God that I know today. So we have been talking about, or we started this series about restoring life to the body. Can anyone tell me what we talked about? Last week. <laughs> Unforgiveness. <laughs> right? Unforgiveness. We're talking about the parasites that plague the body of Christ. And we talked a little bit about just what this image here, the visual that we have here, uh, some of the methods that they use to preserve life in the body. And just like the human body, it's necessary that there are some things done to preserve life in the spiritual body. Unfortunately, we are living in times where we see wickedness becoming more manifest. It's not that it's anything new, but it's just becoming increasingly more more present more evident it's manifesting itself even more so and um and we know that that's what the scripture tells us is going to happen in the world but the concern comes in when the church is in the same condition that the world is in and that's what we're talking about is restoring life to the body of Christ. Amen. We talked about it. You know, he says, I come that you might have life, but not that you're just surviving, because that's what's happening here when you're doing CPR and you're using the defibrillator. You're, these are efforts to preserve life or to sustain or give life back to the body. But that's survival mode. The church should not be in survival mode. This is the wrong time to be in survival mode. Coming to the house of God is not, that should not be the extent of our worship. I'm all off the notes now. But that should not be the extent of our worship. 
Sunday morning, Wednesday evening, and whatever special services and revivals that come along, there should be a whole lot more to our worship to God than just a service schedule. When you are doing things to check the block as a child of God, you are probably in survival mode. Now, the scripture does talk about going to the elders and calling the elders of the church when you want to be prayed for and need healing. But that's not the only method by which you can be healed. You should have a prayer life on your own. You should be able to communicate with God on your own in your own home. If it's sometimes that's all it takes is you having your own prayer. Some folks calling the, the, the elders of the church and they ain't even prayed themselves. They want miracles to be performed and they want to see miraculous things happen from the elders praying, but they're not praying. Survival mode, but we can't afford as a body of Christ, we cannot afford to be in survival mode. Coming to the house of God every moment we come in. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. You know what that means? He says, I anticipated the moment. When I could go into the house of God. You know what that means? That means David was doing something before the church doors opened. So when it was time to come into the house of God, he wasn't coming in looking for a handout, but he was ready to hand in. I'm ready to contribute. Amen? And that's what it's going to take. That's what, that's what the difference is between being in survival mode and living an abundant life is when I step through those doors, it's not because I'm looking. I barely made it here, but I came ready, rejoicing, praising God because I've already got a relationship with him on the inside. Things are already happening in my life and in my home and in my walk with God. So when I come in here, we all fellowshipping together in the like spirit. So when folks walk through those doors that are in need and they need life, they can find life because the church is full of So we got to get rid of these parasites. One of those parasites we talked about is unforgiveness. And so I want to talk a little bit more about that before I move on to the next topic here. Just some things I was going to bring out. Now, I mentioned this last week about folks that talk about I can't forgive. It is not a matter of can't. It's a matter of won't forgive. Now, the difference between the words can't and won't are as follows. Can't or cannot means to be unable to do something. A lot of times I tell my kids, you know, I tell people, the only thing you can't do is what probably what you're not supposed to be doing. You can't fly because you ain't supposed to be flying. Now, when we are transformed, when, when Jesus comes back, right, we, we sing that song, I'll fly away one day, but that ain't today. 
He put us on this earth because we got a responsibility. We got a job to do. Amen. People trying to fly away to heaven don't want to do the work. But it's not a matter of can't. It's a matter of won't. Won't or will not. They always tell you won't is not proper English. But it is the conjunction of the two words will not. To be unwilling to do something. That is a word, by the way, that you can use. It's just not considered proper English. But will not to be unwilling to do something. So based upon these two definitions, we should be able to identify the difference between can't, inability, and won't, unwillingness. Now the word will is used to express desire, choice, and consent. Notice what I said, desire, choice, and consent. Now, this is, I'm not making this stuff up. This is in the dictionary. But the word will signifies commitment. Therefore, if we will have this parasite of unforgiveness removed, we must take the prescribed spiritual medication known as charity. This is your medicine for getting rid of unforgiveness. We'll talk about why in just a second. The essence of charity is not merely based upon the good deeds and donations we provide to others. Giving can be a gesture or an expression of charity. However, charity rests within the divine character and personality of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul explains the effects while disclosing the incompatibilities of charity in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So we can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm going to read it in the Amplified Version, if y'all don't mind. But you can follow along in the King James Version. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I will be making a few, several references to the Amplified Version as we're going through the lesson, lessons today. So beginning with verse 1, and again I, I'm reading in the Amplified Version. You can follow along in the King James. Paul says, If I can speak in the tongues of men and even of angels, but have not love, because charity obviously is another word for Love. He says, I am only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, just making noise. And if I have prophetic powers, look at the stuff that he's mentioning here. These are some significant things, some significant roles, being a prophet, speaking in tongues. If I have prophetic powers, the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose and understand all the secret truths and mysteries and possess all knowledge. And if I have sufficient faith so that I can remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. Wow. Prophet. Speak in tongues, got faith, got all knowledge. 
you don't got love, he says you're nothing. If I, even if I dole out all that I have, here we go, to the poor in providing food, and if I surrender my body to be burned or in order that I may glory, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love endures. Here's where he talks about a little bit the character of love. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude and does not act unbecomingly. Love does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. People say they love God, but they don't want to do what God says. You see what, what he's saying about love, right? It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. This is why I read from the Amplified Version, because that part right there, what I just read, takes no account of the evil done to it. Is your love conditional? Because if you can't forgive, if you got unforgiveness, then your love is probably imperfect. But remember what we said about God. God is willing to forgive us, right? So if God is willing to forgive us of the sins, we are the ones that did him wrong. He's never done us wrong. But at any given time, he's willing to forgive us. He's ready and willing to forgive us because of his perfect love. Now, if we say we are followers of him, we say we are believers in God, we believe in his word, we embrace his word, we live it, his word is in us, then that means we should be of the same attitude, right? Why y'all quiet? Some folks say, well, I'll love you and I'll, you know, we'll, we'll be able to repair after you come back and reconcile with me. Some folks may not come back. So how long are you going to stay in that position? Remember, forgiveness is a reflection of your heart. Right? Okay. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. Is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails. So God's love is perfect. We're not talking about the love of the world. We're not talking about, you know, that's the type of love that just comes and goes depending on circumstances. Jesus says, love your enemies. Guess what? Enemies don't like you. 
They're not coming asking you to forgive them. Right? But if you love them, you will automatically be willing to forgive them as a condition of your heart because of your relationship with God. This is where some people get stuck. You waiting for somebody to come and get make it right with you. You might be waiting a long time for some folks. But it's not worth missing out on heaven over. Because you can't pray to God if you don't forgive. Right? He says you come stand praying. You know you got all against your brother. You got all against somebody. You supposed to do what? Make it right, right? You got to be willing to forgive. And if you love, if you love God, here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you love God, right? That means, I say I love God, that means I'm connected to him. That means that everything that God represents, I love. Right? Then that means that God's will, I love God's will too. I love his word. And if his word tells me I'm supposed to forgive, it doesn't matter how many times I'm done wrong. What did it just say right here? Love does not take into account how much wrong it was done to them. Love is consistent. That's why, you know, you children can do stuff. They may disobey you. Does that, does that mean you stop loving them? Now, sometimes it's tough love because you've got to discipline them sometimes. But, you know, it's out of love, right? Sometimes you may be living a life that you ain't supposed to live. God uses, you know, folks to send your way and, and tell you what's right, tell you the truth. It's out of love. It's not hatred. Why does the world, it's so interesting to me that the world will gravitate towards the things that represent hatred, but then the things that represent love come to the church and you hear the truth, and I'm not going back there because, you know, I don't agree with that. they talking all over my life. Well, here's an idea. Stop living that life. Really? Then nobody be talking about you. <laughs> Love. A lot of folks use that word, but that word is, you know, love is not conditional. That's what Paul was saying. Love is one of those things. And, you know, even the whole law, Jesus says, the whole law hangs on love. Loving God with everything in you. But if you can love God who you can't see, surely you can love those that you come in contact with every day. You know, I said this before, I say it again. One of the things that helps us to, to, to love folks or keep focused on love is to remember that it's not, you know, you, you got some folks that will do you wrong, but you have to keep in mind there is a spiritual influence behind everything that's happening. You know, that's why Paul says our warfare is not carnal. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, right? It's spiritual. The nature of our warfare is spiritual, and we have to stay focused on that. That's what's going to help us love the person and hate the sin and the spiritual influence behind the person. 
That's how God looks at it. That's why he's able to love the sinner. He doesn't love the sin, but he loves this. He loves the sinner, the individual, because they can be redeemed. They can be restored. God can do that. Sin is just in opposition. You can't redeem sin, but you can redeem the sinner. So God loves everyone. There's not one person that he hates. He loves everyone. For God so loved the world, not just individuals that he, you know, that had it together or thought they had it together. But for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever, right? Wherever you come from, whoever you are, whatever your background, whatever your history is, whosoever believeth on him shall not perish but have everlasting life right well it is not god's will for us to perish that any be that any would perish but that all should come to repentance right good so let's start loving you start loving you find yourself not having an issue with forgiving it may not change that individual but love will change you amen So we're going to move on to the next topic here. I just wanted to give you all that spiritual medication there of love. We need to continue to stay in the love of God. That will enable us to forgive. We're going to talk about inconsistency. Is another parasite. 1 Kings 18, 21. This will be in the King James. I'm going to use, I'm going to read this and then I'm going to use uh, John Gill's exposition of the Bible. There's some things that he brings out for this particular verse, but I'm going to read it from the King James first. And it says, and Elijah came unto all the people. If you know the story about Elijah and what happened with the prophets of Baal and all this madness that was going on, right? This particular point in time, Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. So Elijah came unto all the people. They were assembled. They're said to be assembled at Mount Carmel. And said, How long? Halt ye between two opinions. Listen to this exposition here. Sometimes inclining to the one and sometimes to the other. As a lame man in walking, his body moves sometimes to one side and sometimes to another. Or leap ye upon two branches like a bird that leaps or hops from one branch to another and never settles long. Or rather, it denotes the confusion of their thoughts being like branches of, tw of trees twisted and implicated, thus upbraiding them with their inconstancy and fickleness. What their two opinions were may be learnt from the next clause. If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. For there is but one God, 
one infinite, immense, and incomprehensible being, one that is omnipotent, all-sufficient, good, and perfect. There cannot be more, and therefore but one to be followed, served, and worshipped. And then the part says, And the people answered him not a word, through conviction and confusion, his reasoning being unanswerable, or not knowing which to choose at present, or fearing they should be drawn into a snare, should they name any, either incur the displeasure of the king who was for Baal, or of the prophet who was for the Lord, at whose word rain was withheld, and might be given, which they were desirous of. In other words, he calls him out and he says, how long are you going to sit and waver back and forth between two opinions? Figure it out. If God is the true God, then serve him. If Baal is the true God, serve him. How does that correlate to today? At some point, the church has to figure out who they're serving. Am I serving God or am I serving the world? Is money my God? Some folks will sit there and skip church just to make an extra buck. But I'm a follower of Christ. Some folks won't pay their tithes just to try to save some money. Even though the scripture says pay your tithes. I'm not up here to, you know, give no promotions or, you know, promote anything specific. I'm not, I don't even know records or nothing like that. But the bottom line is the word of God tells us how we're supposed to live, how we're supposed to conduct ourselves, right? And these are things that Christians do. I got to go to a concert, so I'm going to skip church service. To go to a concert. These are Christians. I'm not talking about the world. But I'm shouting when I'm in when I'm in church. I'm shouting and I'm I'm talking about how I'm never gonna turn back. I'm gonna always serve God, but just can't make it this Sunday. Because there's something more important to me than being in the house of God. Uh, Let me tell you, the world is not, you know, the world looks at us sometimes like we crazy. We will speak so boldly, we'll come in and testify in the house of God, and, you know, we'll put other folks down about the lifestyle that they're living, but we're just as inconsistent and wavering as a body. So then we wonder why we can't be effective as a body in ministering to other folks. You know you got some folks that will sacrifice 
to go shopping but won't sacrifice to go witness. Man, the latest craze is out. I got to hit this up now. Might not be another opportunity, but that soul that may not have another opportunity to live, it's all right if I pass that opportunity up to witness to him. Is that consistent? Think about it. These are the proclamations we make as Christians. Because, I mean, you know, a lot of folks, you know, sometimes I think we may have amnesia. I'm talking about the body of Christ as a whole. Sometimes we have amnesia because we'll say some stuff, you know, like a few months back or earlier in the year. Remember the New Year's resolution? I'm going to be in church every service and I'm going to do this and I'm going to commit to this. And then by the time that the year is ending out, how many services have I missed that I could have gone to? Wait. Forget coming to the house of God. How many souls have I passed by that I had an opportunity to talk to about God and I chose not to? Let me bring it out a little bit more. How many times did I have a chance to fellowship with my brothers and sisters in Christ who I say I believe in? And I neglected to do so. Because I didn't want to be around my brothers and sisters. How many opportunities did I have to help out my brothers and sisters? And while we at it, my pastor or pastor's wife. But I'm a devout Christian. I'll put other people down, but... I won't step up. Inconsistent, right? Y'all with me? Don't be don't be so quiet. The world looks at us and says, "Well, what's really going on?" Because they're calling us confused, but from what we see, Why is it worth going to the church when I see a lot of confusion going on in the church? We want to encourage other people to pray, but then when we get the when we get first opportunity we get, we find we catch wind of some some news or something about somebody, we ready to gossip. Who you talking to? You telling your sister news that you heard from somebody else that the salad told her that brother so-and-so and what's going on in their marriage, so on and so forth. Now you done spread this mess. And did you even take the opportunity to pray and seek the face of God on their behalf? Do you not know that sometimes God will allow you to be exposed to some things so that you can be responsible as a Christian and take it to the Lord? That's called interceding. It's not for you to blab it to everybody. And social media just intensifies the issue. Folks don't have no discipline whatsoever in what they post. Like everybody want to know all your business. Or anybody else's in that matter. 
You got a whole lot of drama stirred up over social media. Girl, you know what I heard? And that's when, as a responsible Christian, we respond, I don't want to know what you heard. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can you imagine if that was the, you know how many, how many gossip sessions would be stopped if people would respond that way? Cause if I'm call, if I got an issue, I can call you and ask, you know, seek encouragement. That's my issue though. That's between us. But if I'm calling you about somebody else's issue, ladies and gentlemen, that's gossip. Oh, and did you know that you can gossip about good stuff too? No, we don't want to talk about that. (laughs) Brother so-and-so got promoted. You know, one of the bigger ones is like when somebody get pregnant, ready to have a baby. It's <laughs> we living in a time now where you know it used to be snail mail, but now you got the the whole half of the country know before the day is through. You got friends of friends of friends, you know, and it's good news, but. Did you ask if that person wanted that to be spread? This is stuff. Y'all, y'all saw that it says love is not rude, right? <laughs> Consideration. Sometimes it's something as simple as that. You know, I, I, I like to think about this a lot of times because most of the issues we have as people, as human beings, have a lot to do with personality. And how we treat one another. Really. Most of the conflicts that we have in our society have a lot to do with how we treat one another. You know, all it takes is one small offense. You know, and I may not even know it, but, you know, I may have done something or I said something, shared some news about, you know, what's going on in your life to somebody else. You know, that's why a lot of times people ask me about certain things, even with my wife. A lot of things I don't say. I don't repeat. That's just how I am. And I always say, look, if you want other people to know, that's up to you to tell them. But if you're coming to me, you can rest assured you don't have to worry about, worry about it being repeated. Some things, even if I feel like it's necessary, you know, it's an issue or a concern, I may raise it up to pastor, but I probably won't even tell details. I'll just let them know, hey, you know, just might want to get with so-and-so. It just depends on what it is. If it's life-threatening, it might be it might be a little different case. Because if you're trying to take your life or somebody else, you know, that's a whole different issue. But if you're confiding in brothers and sisters, you know the Scripture talks about, and, and I'm kind of, this is further down in the notes, but the Scripture talks about going to, it says confess your faults one to another, right? One of the reasons why people don't want to confess nothing to anybody because they're afraid somebody's going to talk to the wrong people. And we have a big issue with that. But guess what? If the scripture says confess your faults one to another, guess what that means? If we can't do that, there's a hindrance in the body. We're inconsistent. 
When you gotta sit and, 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 you know, and pull up a list and say, oh, no, I can't talk to that individual. I can't. No, that one's not good either. Yeah. No, I can't talk to them either, man. And the list just keeps getting smaller and smaller. You know how you, you know how you find out if people talk too much? Because they'll be the same one talking to you about somebody else. Right? So, you know, so you like, if you hear somebody talking about somebody else, right, the the last thing you're going to do is bring you, I ain't confiding that individual. Right? <laughs> right? Like in the military, we <laughs> you get some leaders and you hear them talking mess and, you know, talking about soldiers and talking about all the issues of everybody else and just sitting there and there's no rhyme or reason why they're talking about it. Another soldier's paying attention. You think that soldier going to come to that leader? But then they ask, why you didn't come to me? You should have came and said something. You the last person I was coming to. Because I didn't want my business spread all over the place. But that's just, you know, that's just talking about one aspect. But we have to figure out how to be consistent with what we're supposed to do. As a body of Christ. And we find that out. We find out what we're supposed to do in the word of God, right? And then we measure up to what the word of God says for us to do. Living the word of God, the way the word of God says for us to live, is really being consistent as a Christian. That's how we are consistent. We can't pick and choose, though, because that's where inconsistency settles in. If I pick one thing, you know... And I believe this, but I really don't, you know, I don't mind believing in the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues, but that baptism in Jesus' name, you know, that's, I believe it's Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, you know. And you got folks that pick and choose what they want to believe, the oneness of God. Folks that pick and choose, and they're in the Scriptures, you you have to listen to some of these folks. If you haven't, you have to listen to some of these folks that will try to justify the idea of the Trinity. And they will use the scriptures. And if you don't know the scriptures and understand them, you'll be convinced. But it's a whole lot of confusion. Because they say he's three, but he's one, but he's three, but he's one. We believe that he is one God, but we believe in three persons. But there's one God, but... What? <laughs> and I'm not making fun of them, but when you listen to what's being said, it's like, well, that don't add up. Look at what the scripture says. When you start reading the scripture, you start understanding how it's one God and he was revealed or manifested in Jesus Christ, right? To be inconsistent means not always acting or behaving in the same way, having parts that disagree with each other, incompatible, conflicting. You know what James 1 and 8 says? Double-minded man, make up your mind. And you know what that is? That's internal conflict. Some folks, that's what they're dealing with. And you think you're the issue, but it's really what's going on inside of them. 
And we're not just we're not talking about from a doctrinal standpoint, but I'm just talking about just making up your mind. Are you in the church or are you in the world? Are you a Christian or are you not? There's no gray area. It's not a matter of mixing it. Well, I might be a Christian today. Well, you know, I'm a summer Christian. There's no summer Christian. If the season is right, that's that's what I am. No, you a Christian or you not. And if you're a Christian, again, like we talked about before, then that means you're following Christ. That means you follow the teachings of Christ. And Christ didn't differentiate between the Old and New Testament. It's all inclusive. He says, I didn't come to take away from the law, but I came to fulfill, right? He perfected the law. The law still exists. It's perfected in Christ. Some of the symptoms of inconsistency are nutrient deficiency, lacking the spiritual vitamins and minerals of God's word. Luke chapter 4 verse 4 says, and Jesus answered when he was tempted in the wilderness. And one of the things that Satan asked him to do was turn the stones into bread. He said what? It is written, right? That man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So, what was Jesus saying here? You want to live, you got to be where? In the word. Right? Got to be in the word. That's the first thing he he responded to Satan with was, it is written. He responded with the scriptures. Some folks can't even, can't overcome because they don't know the word. You want life as a Christian, it's you got to get into the word of God. You got to have the word of God. David said, that word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Why? Because the wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God... Right? Through Christ. You want life? Got to get into the word. That's your spiritual nutrition. Another symptom of inconsistency is incoherency, which means to be disconnected, disjointed, lacking in prayer, fasting, obedience, and worship. Incoherency is a disconnection in prayer, fasting, obedience, and worship. Some people are trying to communicate with God in prayer but will not choose to stop sinning. Everybody wants to pray to God, but you know what? John chapter 9 verse 31 Says now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. And we've said this before, but if you choose to live in sin and you don't have any intent on changing, you are wasting your breath praying to God. That might be different than what a lot of folks are saying out there now. 
But that's what the scripture says. He does not listen to the sinners. If you you living in sin, you obviously don't want God. So why pray to him? Now, there's a difference between a sinner who is choosing to sin and stay in sin and a sinner who is repenting to turn from his sin. That's the difference. That's why it says in the scripture, and if uh, if my people which are called by my name shall do what? Humble themselves and pray and seek my face and do what? He says, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Got to stop sinning. Fornication is sin. Nobody want to talk about fornication because, you know, it's all right. You know, we talk about adultery all day long. But if you have a sex outside of marriage, you ain't. Look, until God puts that union together, you shouldn't be together. Well, Jesus, I'm only giving y'all the word, all right? Y'all don't be getting mad at me. It's for your soul. Adultery is wrong. Idolatry is wrong. If you got a Buddha in your house, kick him out. <laughs> you won't believe how many Christians got all these statues and stuff in their house. I'm trying to think which uh, religion it is. It's, uh, it's one of the world religions where they incorporate all of the different. So you can have all these statues, and I, I can't remember... Uh, it's from Asia, but I can't remember which one it is. I think it's Hinduism. You're okay. They'll accept God. They'll accept whatever, you know, whatever you want to believe. That's what Hinduism really is. It's a conglomeration of whatever you... No different than Mars Hills, right? <laughs> but that's confusing. So Who's right? If it's okay to believe in everything but one negates the other, who's right? You saying this is what I got to do to be right? You saying something totally opposite, but we all under one umbrella. And even in Christendom, we all going to heaven just getting there different ways. I'm sorry, but the last time I checked, there's only one way. And that's narrow. There's many different lanes. I think that's a one-way road. <laughs> Only thing you can do is detour off of it. Well, <laughs> James five and sixteen says the effectual fervent prayer. Of a righteous man availeth much. Some folks' prayers are not being answered because they're not doing what's right. You want to find out what's right? Look in the Word of God. And oh, by the way, brothers and sisters, you know, I don't harp on it, but paying your tithes is what's right. You don't pay your tithes, don't expect God to answer your prayers. He's not obligated to. 
you don't reverence the man of God in your life, don't expect God. He's not obligated to answer your prayer. If you don't respect one another as husband and wife, don't expect God to respect your prayers. And if you want to live in sin, again, God is not obligated to answer your prayers. But when you choose to get right, now there's a difference in making an honest mistake because you don't know out of ignorance. That's different. But let's face it, brothers and sisters, there's no reason that I have to put icing on it to make it feel, make it seem okay. When you sinning, you sinning, and most people know when they sinning. Amen. Talk about fasting. Oh. Well, let's not talk about fasting right now. <laughs> wow. I got caught up. I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> well, let's take a break <laughs> and get ready for service in Jesus' name. God bless y'all. <laughs>